Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you, and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, grab your Bible, go with me to the book of Ruth, chapter number one. The book of Ruth chapter number one and then we're going to read a couple of verses out of chapter number four the book of ruth chapter number one and i'm going to read i'm going to start reading with verse number one the book of ruth chapter number one it's a short book but it's powerful you gotta watch out in the bible for those short books y'all know what i'm saying you ever read jude powerful 25 verses powerful said more in 25 verses than I have said in 20 years of preaching powerful Ruth four chapters but powerful Ruth chapter 1 verse 1 now it came to pass now y'all ready to help me preach this this morning said you ready to help me preach this this morning now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab, and they continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Look at that again. That came to pass in the days when judges ruled, there was a famine in Bethlehem, Judah. So Naomi and her family left Bethlehem, Judah, and they went into Moab. Look at verse 19 of chapter 1. They go to Moab. You know the story. They start coming back into Bethlehem, Judah. So they too went until they came back to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord brought me home again empty. Why then are you calling me Naomi, saying the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab. They came to Bethlehem the beginning of harvest flip over two pages to chapter four and look at with me at verse 13 so boaz took ruth y'all like that don't you glory to god boaz (laughs) every single girl's dream so boaz took ruth and she was his wife and when he went into her the lord gave her conception and she bare a son And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer, Naomi, and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, which loved you, is better to you than seven sons. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse to it. And the woman and the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. Naomi wasn't even his mama. There's a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. Amen. My wife is very interesting. Is so, is so interesting. She is a, a magnet for hurting people. 
like they can they can smell her five miles away. If they're going through something, they have this ability to find Lindsay. Uh, pull up at the red light. Roll it down. Hey, you got time to talk? I mean, it's crazy. We were at the pool yesterday where we live. They had a, a pool party for the community. So we the dolls crew loaded up, which is an, an accomplishment by itself and went in the same direction. And when we got to the pool party, we were sitting there. And we were watching the kids, and I was reading a book and hoping the kids didn't drown every now and again and reading the book. And I looked over. My wife is sitting there talking to some lady like they were college roommates. And she was talking, and I was trying to go. And men know this, that whenever you try to get your wife to go to leave a place, it is a process. You have to sow the seed. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, brothers. You have to go up to him and say, you ready to go? That's step one. That's phase one of the leaving project. You've got six more of those left or coming up in your immediate future. And I talk to young husbands all the time and I have to say, you have to understand how this works. You don't get what you want one fell swoop. You got to sow the seed, water the seed, believe God for the seed, and then you might see the harvest. So I begin the process. You ready to go? Not right now. You ready to go? Not right now. You ready to go? So we find, finally, after an hour of sowing seed and believing God, we start heading home. And on the way home, she said, you ain't going to believe what happened. What? I was in a marriage counseling session. I was like, I'm not shocked at all. And she was telling me the story of this lady that had connected with her. They just bumped into each other at the pool. And the lady's like, hey, I'm going through hell. You got a minute? <laughs> so they start talking. And Lindsay was telling me a little bit of the lady's story. She'd been through some devastating circumstances. Her husband was unfaithful. He left her. He left her and the kids. And she was a, a, a married woman raising her children with her husband with all of her dreams in front of her with all of her dreams and aspirations and, and not only what life is going to be like when we have kids, but making dreams of what life's going to be like after the kids move out and we get our life back, glory to God. We had all of these dreams and now out of nowhere, he has left and it is over and now I'm a single mom with three kids stuck in an apartment trying to make ends meet. This is not what I thought it was going to be like. And Lindsay said this to her and as soon as she said it, the woman broke. Lindsay said, yeah, but this is not how the story ends. Y'all don't, pat, don't white patty cake at me. There's something powerful when you realize it's not always going to feel like this. There's something powerful when you help people understand the season you're going through is not a life sentence against you. When a problem becomes permanent, do you know what we do? We quit. When we feel like we will never get out, we actually quit believing God for anything. So we, in essence, actually commit suicide of a different kind. Because although we don't kill ourselves, we've aborted our purpose because we believe that it's always going to be like this. Your Bible tells an interesting story about a woman named Naomi who had her husband and her boys and everything was great and wonderful and they lived in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. They lived in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, and they were experiencing a famine. I live in the house of bread. And there's no bread. There's no bread in the house of bread. You ever looked up one day and thought, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. 
I talk to people all the time. I talk to young couples that get married and they thought that marriage was going to cure their loneliness. But it didn't. And so they look up six, nine, 12 months into their relationship saying, I thought it was going to be one thing, but in reality, it's something completely different. I have talked to young women who thought having a baby, I need somebody to help me get it, get in this text this morning. I've talked to young women who thought if I could just have a baby, then maybe I would have some sense of purpose. Then the baby comes along and it didn't fix what's really going on on the inside of you. So often we put external pressure on external circumstances to fix what's going on internally. Are you putting too much pressure on the stuff around you to fix what's going on on the inside of you? Because you can get a different job. You can get a different spouse. You can have more kids. You can get a bigger house. You can make more money. But it still won't fix the hunger going on on the inside of you when you know what's in here is not right. There's no bread in the house of bread. We are putting too much pressure on the stuff outside of us. And we think if we can just change our circumstances, then maybe we'd find the fulfillment that we're looking for right? I've seen people make rash decisions in a moment of deep frustration. I've seen people abort their families and their marriages and their destinies all because it's not giving me what I'm wanting it to give me. And it was never meant to do that for you. If your wholeness, if your wholeness and your completeness is wrapped up in somebody else or something else, it will always disappoint you. Single women, if you are waiting on Boaz to show up before you become a full, total healed person, Boaz is going to get on your last nerve. I'm just making sure it's on. Can y'all hear me? Turn me up, Austin, if you need to, brother. That Jerry Maguire, you complete me. It sounds good. It sounds cute, but it's dysfunctional. There can be nothing else in your life that completes you except God and his presence. Not a job, not a position, not a title, not a church, and not a paycheck. Only God and his presence has to be the thing that that completes you and satisfies you. But when what's right on the inside is right, you can serve God next door to anything. You can go through any season in life as long as what's in here is right. It's not hard. You can find peace in anything if God is the satisfier and the lover of my soul. As long as my walk with God is where it needs to be. I've had a bunch and I've not had enough. I've had big houses and I've had apartments. But as long as this right here is okay. Is anybody with me this morning? As long as my walk with God is where it needs to be, I can have peace in any circumstance. I've had peace when I got too much in the checking account. I've had peace when I'm red in the checking account. Not because of what the checking account looked like, but because of what God was doing on the inside of me. So listen, Naomi, if you are trying to find some satisfaction and fulfillment, it's not going to be found in you changing your circumstances. It's not going to be found in a different spouse. It's not going to be found in a new job. I see people join churches all the time. I want to serve here, Pastor. I want to serve in this area. I want to serve Go. They're just all passionate, got so much vision. They last three minutes. It's not fulfilling anymore. I, that's not really my thing. I'm not called to that. I'm not anointed to that. You told me six weeks ago that you were having dreams and visions and angelic visitations. No, I want to get plugged in. I want to get plugged into the media. That's what I'm passionate about. I don't get plugged into me. Do it. Glory to God. Brandon, get with them. They want to get plugged into media. Me and you both know you're going to last three more minutes. 
Six weeks later, it's not really my thing. You know, I've never really said, I'm a people person. Good. Become, become part of the host team. Greet people and create a warm, welcoming environment where people that are first-timers can experience the presence of God. Oh, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds just like me. Get in there and get after it, Rocky. Six weeks later, it's not really my thing. I want to preach. You want to preach. What in God's name you want to sing? You can't sing. You ain't got no passion for worship. Stop. You're trying to find fulfillment by putting pressure on what's outside of you. If you think moving to Knoxville, if you're not from here and you think moving to Knoxville is going to make you happy, it won't. Trust me. <laughs> that traffic make you lose your sanctification. I've never had anger issues. Except from 5 to 6.30 in the afternoon. Just praying the Holy Ghost. Whole thing. Better have some worship music on. It's hard to honk at somebody with somebody talking about, Lord, prepare me <laughs> to be. We're putting too much pressure on what's going on outside of us. And we're trying to make it satisfy us. And that's never what it was intended to do. But then I've seen people move to little old Alabama, where I'm from. Ain't one restaurant in the, there's buildings that call themselves restaurants, but they're not restaurants. They serve something that looks similar to food, but I promise you that it's not food. Recently, one of them scored a 62 on their health report and stayed in business. That's how desperate they are for food. And I've seen people leave everything and go live in the middle of nowhere and have peace. Because of what's going on on the inside. Or you could sell everything and move to Manhattan or move to L.A. or move to Paris or move to London and still be empty on the inside. Not because of what's going on on the outside of you, but because of what's going on on the inside. And so because, there were, because her external circumstances were not meeting an internal need, do you know what Naomi did? She moved. You have to be careful what causes you to make a move. And I'm not just talking about a geographic move. You got to be careful what you allow to move you in your thinking. What you allow to move you in your heart. You can still live in the same house with your spouse, but your heart have moved. You hearing what I'm saying? Because if you move out of frustration, Naomi, it's going to cost you something called your sons. Because every time, sometimes God can use frustration to get your attention, but he never uses frustration to move you. The only thing he will ever use to move you is his voice. You hearing what I'm saying? We have an epidemic of church people hopping around churches because they moved out of offense. You ever met people that have been offended at the last 300 churches they attended? You have run the gamut of all the churches in Knoxville and you got your laundry list of everything that's wrong with them? You're going to find plenty wrong with this one too. If you don't know enough, I'll give you some stuff to be mad at. You think you got a list of grievances? Mine's more. All right? It's not because it's what's going on on the outside of you. 
you move out of frustration, the next place you show up will also frustrate you. Maybe the frustration is the very thing God's trying to use to develop you. Maybe having to deal with a circumstance that doesn't perfectly line up with precisely what you like or precisely what you prefer is the very thing that God's trying to use to kill some stuff on the inside of you that needs to die. Our first reaction whenever we encounter adversity is to leave, to move. Because adversity introduces you to yourself. Are y'all okay this morning? Y'all were all excited when I was talking about you getting money back in the offering. <laughs> New job and a raise, glory to God. Y'all with me? I need you to lock in here with me. Y'all with me? But what do you do when you're stuck in a circumstance that's not meeting your need? Naomi, if you move, it's going to cost you. If you move because you cannot stand, you cannot tolerate, you cannot bear up under the pressure of God using breaking to change you and transform you so you run away from the very thing that God calls a teacher. So she moves, she moves, she leaves. You know the story, her, her sons die. She meets Naomi, or she meets Ruth. She comes back into Bethlehem because God began to visit Bethlehem again. Because even though it might not provide what you want now, if you will stay, God can turn it into everything you want it to be. If you will be willing to stay, Naomi, everything you thought it was, God can turn it into that. If you would just be willing to be faithful and put down some roots and say, I'm not moving until God gives me everything that he promised me. That's how you have to go through life. You have to get plugged into a marriage that says we might be fighting a lot right now, but if I will put down some roots and tell my spouse, no matter what kind of junk we go through, we're going to go through it together. It's me and you against the world. If we have to fight every devil by ourselves, then we're going to do it between me and you. If you can stay, if you can put down some roots, then God can turn that marriage into everything that you dreamed it could be. I need somebody to shout amen on that. If you could stay in that church, if you could put down some roots and stay in that church and quit shopping around for churches like you're looking for a new couch, if you could get plugged into that church, and I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about whatever church God calls you to get plugged into. But if you could stay through the frustration and the disappointment and the pastor's not talking to me and he's building other friends and he's not really my guy and we're not as close as I thought we would be, if you could stay there and put down some roots, God could turn it back into a Bethlehem. If you could survive the process, if you could survive the process, if you could survive the season that God's going to take you through, if you could survive it, are you with me this morning? Anybody in here ever had God do something in you through a tough season? Three people, God Almighty. I got to preach something else next week. Y'all ain't ready for this. I'll preach on money next week and make you rich. Glory to God. Hmm? You with me? <laughs> you got to put down some roots. And if I can stay here, when the wind's blowing, and when I'm angry, and when I'm hurt, and when I'm lonely, and when I don't understand, and after I got my feelings hurt, if I could just stay here, God could start sending bread back to the house of bread. God could turn this into everything that I wanted it to be if I could just plug in and stay here. And if I move, I'm only going to move because God Almighty spoke to me and told me to move and nothing else. 
I'm frustrated. I'm disappointed. Good. Good. God can't create a perfect world for you. You hear what I'm saying? If you could just stay there. Is there any older couples in here that know what I'm talking about that say, if you could just stay in the fight, it'll work itself out in the end. Three people, glory to God. Y'all with me? If, I, if you just stay in the fight, if you'll just put down some roots and say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving this marriage. I'm not leaving this job. I'm not leaving this church. I'm not leaving this city. I'm not leaving my assignment. I'm not moving until God turns it into everything he told me it would be. I clap myself. Not moving. I'm not moving. We want to give up after nine months. We want to give up the first frustration. We want to give up. First frustration. We want to give up. It's funny, man. I, I, I've been in church since I was two weeks old. And, yeah, that's not an exaggeration. And the number of people I have seen come and go. If everybody that had started had stayed, we wouldn't be able to contain them. When I was at Hamilton, there, we went through a period where, I think I've told you this story, I'm sure I have, we went through a period where there were 300 families moved to little old town. We like doubled the population by ourselves. 300 families is, a, is, is an explosive growth in our city, right? Y'all don't even notice it here. Y'all are like, it's not a thing. There, it's a thing. And we would have meeting after meeting after meeting. We had businessmen who sold their businesses, cashed out their retirements, sold their homes, uprooted their kids out of their schools, moved to the ramp and said, with tears streaming down their cheeks and that quivering lip, God has called me to be here. And at first I was young and naive. I was like, glory to God. They're like, I want to run with you. We're talking to me and my mother-in-law who leads the ministry down there. We're going to run with you for the rest of our life. And I'm like, glory to God, brother, let's do it. Hug each other and weep and snot and cry. We're brothers to the end. Six weeks later, didn't put their kid on the drama team. Got offended and left. And if you could have put down some roots in Bethlehem, he could have turned it back into the house of bread for you. I'll go on to the next point. So Naomi goes, Naomi goes through her season, comes back into Bethlehem, and Bethlehem doesn't even recognize her. Something's changed about her because of what she's been through. They look at her and they say, is that you, Naomi? Is that you? And she said, no. Don't call me Naomi because that means delight. That means joy. Instead, call me Mara. That means bitter. Don't let your season change you. God will use it to get some stuff in you and get some stuff out of you. But you can't let it break you. You can't let it turn you bitter, Naomi. You can't let it turn you frustrated. You can't let your season offend you. 
You can't let your season make you angry and resentful and hateful and mean-spirited and critical and cynical and skeptical. You can't do it, Naomi. How many times have we allowed situations to turn us into somebody we didn't even want to be? I know exactly what I'm talking about because there was a period in my life where I was so full of resentment and bitterness over ministry stuff that there were certain people I couldn't even stand to be in the same room with them. I was so frustrated and angry. I wasn't hurt. I was angry and I was resentful because I thought you're keeping me back from what God's called me to do. You're trying to control my life. You're trying to keep me from becoming everything God's called me to become and we couldn't even speak to each other. Deeply resentful, deeply angry, seething with frustration. That's not a fun place to be, man. It's not a fun place to be, to be called and depressed at the same time. And then you look around you and all of your friends are exploding and there you are sitting in your bitterness, shooting at everybody else, Naomi, because they didn't leave. It's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. We are not Baptists. You know that, right? I'm a Bapticostal. You ever had a season break you? And I remember in that season, I was so broken. I was so gripped by resentment and frustration and bitterness. And I remember I went home one day after an encounter with a minister, and I was just seething with anger. And I was so frustrated. And I, 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 I was on the verge of despising this person. It was a person that was very influential and very important in my life. And I was so angry at them. And I went home, and my wife and my kids, they weren't at home. And I went into my little prayer room, and I sat down on the table, on, on, on my couch where I would put my feet up, and I would read the Bible, and I would study. And I would get sermons and I finally came to a place and I felt the Holy Ghost come on me and I said, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. I'm tired of being cynical. I'm tired of being resentful. I'm tired of being angry. I'm tired of being bitter. I'm tired of holding on to everything that I don't like. I'm tired of holding on to everything that's frustrated me to the point I can't sleep at night and I can't pray and I can barely read the Bible because I can't get it off my mind. And every time me and my wife sit down to dinner, I got to bring it up. And every time my friends, if, if you have friends that your number one thing you have in common is a common offense, you need to run. If you have those people in your life that every time y'all sit down to eat together, the first thing that comes out of your mouth is criticism about somebody or something. They are not your friend and you need to get out of that relationship as fast as you got into it because they will poison your spirit. They are toxic to you. I'm not saying they don't love God. I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm saying for you, you need to run. I thought at least I get a little hand wave on that somebody. You know what I'm talking about. You've got those people in your life that the number one thing y'all have in common is y'all are both royally ticked off at the same thing. Right? And so every time you leave their company, you're more angry than ever. You ever left somebody's presence and feel like you've been thrown up on? Let's get plain. I have. I've left lunch and thought, my God, I need a shower to get that spirit off of me. (laughs) 
If that's why you call, if, if, if when something happens you don't like, they're the first number you dial. Because you need somebody to whine to. Yes, whine. You need to run. Look at the people in your life. Look at the people you got surrounding you. Look at the people you have over for dinner. Look at the people you have over for dinner. Y'all talk about the things of God. Y'all talk about how awesome and God's moving in your life and their life and how excited you are about the future. Or you talk about, did you hear what they did down there? You know what they're doing at Hope Unlimited now? You ain't going to believe it. They're going to Israel. Ain't even got a building and they're going to Israel. That's correct. We are. And I didn't ask your permission. Going to Israel. <laughs> Y'all like that, didn't it? Going to Israel. Huh? Wonder how much they paying that pastor down there. I know how people talk. I'm not stupid. Not as much as you think. Why do you think I'm going half the weekends out of the year to preach the gospel somewhere? Brother got to get paid. I'm teasing. Calm down. For y'all get all un- holy on me, grumpy holy. Look at the people around you. Do they speak life into you or do they feed the bitterness? There are some things, (laughs) there are some things you haven't even noticed to be offended about till they brought it up. You know what? You got a point. I've never even thought about that, but now I'm ticked off too. Can you believe it? Right? Y'all know you, you, ain't, you ain't saying nothing because you know what I'm talking about. Because just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. Don't look to the world. Just look straight ahead. They might even be in this room. Oh, God. You're thinking right now, did they tell him? <laughs> you're, you're subtly pulling out your iPhone and deleting that text thread. Swipe left. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because they're feeding the bitterness in you, Naomi, and it's changing you. It's changing you. And that bitterness is repelling the life-giving relationships that God has for you. They're running, they're running away from you. Maybe not even consciously, but God's leading them to do it because he's not going to let you poison them. You got to be careful, Naomi, that you don't let a season change you. You got to be careful all through your Christian world that you don't adopt somebody else's offense. And no matter who you're mad at, I promise you this, God's not. The person that you think is so wicked and vile and evil and clueless, God loves them. God has a call on them. God has his hand on them. They're anointed and God's got a purpose for them and he's never going to take up your offense toward them. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care if it's your pastor or your leader or your friend. I don't care who it is. God's not mad at them the same way you are and I guarantee you if you would quit talking about it and go pray about it, God would not agree with what you're saying. Man, it is awful. This is hard work. Am I right about it? So when we go complain and call it intercession, 
God's not going to agree with you and say, you know what? You're exactly right. And I'm about to kill every last one of them, Glory. That's <laughs> Even though that's what we want, he's never going to adopt your offense. And you got to be careful not to adopt the offense of somebody else. When somebody comes to you and brings something to you, the first thing you need to say is, number one, my ears are not garbage dumps. And I need life filling my ears, not death. And if you have death to speak, you better go tell somebody else. But as for me and my house, we're going to celebrate life. And if you're going through something, if you've got an issue with somebody, I'll pray about it. Hope God works it out. But I'm not going to adopt your offense and help fuel the fire down on the inside of you. That's how you know you got a real friend. When they will look at you and say, you know what you need to do? You need to get over it. You have a real friend when they will look at you and say, you know what you're being right now? You're being a baby. You're being spiritually immature and you need to grow up and you need to get past it and you need to move on and you need to forgive and you need to plug back in and you need to serve and you need to obey God and then God can turn it back into Bethlehem, Naomi, if you'll let him. If you'll put down some roots and say, I'm not moving off of this and I'm not going to let this season change me, then God can do through you and in you what he wants to do through you and in you. And Naomi, what you do not see coming is if you could survive, if you would not let this change you, the best is yet to come. I know you lost your boys, but God's got a king waiting on you by the name of David and that everything that was stolen from you, God's going to restore it back to you, Naomi, if you just don't let this season change you. Make sure that you don't get bitter when you are in the middle of what God's doing in your life. God's got David waiting on you. I said, God's got David waiting on you, Naomi. He's got David waiting on you. I know it hurts what you lost, but look at what you've got. Let me tell you something. There is a law in the Bible. He said, Naomi, when I give birth to this boy, he is going to restore back your life. There is a law in the Bible called the law of restoration. All through the Old Testament, God said, if your cow goes into somebody else's field and eats their field, then you give them back four times what was stolen. If your slave goes into somebody's camp and takes something, you give them back seven times what was stolen. If your livestock goes and destroys something on somebody else's property, you give them three times what was stolen. He is establishing a law of restoration and this is the law. When God gets ready to restore something, he doesn't just give you back what was lost. He always gives you back over and above what was lost. That's why he said, Ruth has been better to you than seven sons because you lost something that was painful but what I'm going to give you back is going to supersede everything that you lost. Does anybody still believe that God is a restorer? I know it hurts in the middle, Naomi, but you cannot let it change you come on worship team you cannot let it change you because God has some restoration waiting on you there is a place you can get to in God where every furnace that you walk through you can come out on the other side and not smell like smoke I want you to be able to go through a tough season and come out and not be bitter and not be resentful and not be hateful I have seen women I have I've seen women and I've seen men I've seen women go through marriages that didn't work out and come out hateful and then I've seen them go through marriages that didn't work out and come out better. And say, I hate that it didn't work out and it wasn't everything it was supposed to be and it wasn't what God intended, but I learned from it. Is that too real? I've seen people do it. I've seen people go through traumatic, devastating situations with their children and come out angry at God and resentful and never serving God again 
And then I've seen people go through traumatic circumstances with their, their children and come out on the other side and say, great is your faithfulness. Oh, glory to God. Had a dear friend. My, my, my mother-in-law had a dear ministry friend that her daughter, God, this is the most, this is every parent's absolute nightmare. Her, her precious daughter was nine years old. She was nine years old, I believe she was. She was diagnosed with leukemia. And they did everything you were supposed to do. They sowed in the offering. They did the faith confessions. They laid hands on her. They anointed her with oil. They took her to every healing evangelist that had a business card and called themselves healing evangelists. Everybody and their brother was praying for them and believing God and declaring and believing and fighting and standing and battling and warring and faith and faith and faith. And the little girl and two weeks later, my mother-in-law said, I saw her at a Benny Hinn crusade, sitting on the front row, lifting her hands, singing, how great thou art. See, not everybody's built to that kind of stuff. No, no, not everybody's built to that kind of stuff. Because some of us, we go through situations dramatically less significant than that. And we come out on the other side, can barely serve God right. Come on. Come on. Am I right? Come out on this side. I ain't going back to church. They all hypocrites. <laughs> ain't going back because I've been through something. That's right. And it changed you. And the very thing that's frustrating you, God's wanting to get to form you into the person he's called you to be. I've seen people go through trauma. And come out either broken or better. I had a dear, dear, dear leader in my life. One of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life. Still to this day. Very close. Very, very close. I traveled with him all over. Deep relationship. He's what we call a spiritual father. That's what we used to call it. I know some of y'all are not comfortable with that language. Some of you never heard that language. And some of you think you're everybody's spiritual father. So. <laughs> but went through a very, very hurtful circumstance. Betrayal and lies and all sorts of situations. This is one of the most challenging situations that led to a church split. It was devastating. It was horrible. And I was young at the time. I was probably, I was in my mid-twenties and this person I had looked up to wanted to be just like and studied their every movement and studied how they handled the text and studied how they worked the microphone and handled the crowd and studied their marriage and their finances and their family and everything about them and learning so much and saw some things I wanted to do and saw something a lot I didn't want to do and then to find out uh, this relationship isn't what you always told me it was you were using it for something else. And I didn't know, but now I know. You come out on the other side and you got two choices. I can either say I'm never trusting people again, which would have been incredibly easy to do. And it took some time. Or I can come out and say, I'm wiser than I was. And I'm better than I was. And I'm stronger than I was. But I'm not going to let a season change me. I'm not going to let bitterness steal my joy. 
I'm not going to allow Naomi to turn into Mara just because I've been through something. I was going to title this message Mara in the middle. You got to make sure you don't become Mara in the middle. Because you're going to hold a king one day. You're going to go, you're going to hold the restored promise that God's always had for you. Your season isn't a life sentence. It's just a season. And seasons by nature change. It's just a season. And so when you're in your season, Naomi, quit looking at everybody else to fix what's going on on the inside. Quit looking to friends. There, there, there are times in your life where God will do such a deep work in you that you just have to kind of get away. You don't, you're, not, you're not excluding people and you're not cutting people off and you're not being mean-spirited because that's not healthy and you're not isolating yourself. But there are times in your life where you just got to get alone with God and let God sort out what's going on on the inside. I've had people come up to me before and say, man, you okay? You just look like you got something on your mind. I was like, look, give me two weeks, I'll be fine. <laughs> I got to go get before the Lord. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I've got to go get before the Lord because I think I'm putting too much faith in what's going on around me when God's wanting to transform what's going on inside of me. And then when he gets what's going on inside of me, right? Somehow, some way, I'm not so bothered by what's going on around me. That's how you pass through the furnace and not smell like smoke. You hear me, Hope Unlimited? Said you hear me, Hope Unlimited? Stand up on your feet. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.